Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. Oh! That's inappropriate. Yeah, you gotta I'm cut sorry. that out. I think yeah. that might be libel. That's, yeah, that's true. I, I believe that, that might actually be I believe actionable. that might actually be, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster. I do various things at FreeFink. I am trying to talk as fast as I can. I am joined, of course, by my usual collaborators. They are here. They are in the building. They're all, everyone is looking fantastic. Marvelous, in fact. Uh, Matt Welch, editor-at-large, Reason Magazine. Wonderful publication. Hi, Matt. Same one. Michael Moynihan, national correspondent for HBO's Vice News Tonight. It Hi. airs on HBO. Yeah, like, it's in the title. Pretty much every day. <laughs> It'll night. tell you where to get it. Wonderful yeah, to see you, thanks, Mr. Man. Moynihan. Good to be here. I, I'm glad that you're both here. Yeah. I'm not even going to ask how the hell you are because you look you look great. You look like you're doing great. Are you like hitting on us? Because you're really talking about well, how is it good I look. If it wasn't obvious, I mean, like I my hand in your lap actually wrapped around your um, thigh. Yeah. Time's up. It's clear. But that starts tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Not for us. We also uh, shouts out to Anthony Fisher, who is uh, on the controls and has uh, has his headphone on outside of the room. Oh, yeah, he's outside of the room. Can't hear him. Oh, there he is. Good. Great. Anthony Fisher is here. Um, and I'm very excited because we have a remarkable guest back with us again. It's not really a surprise because it's in the title of this podcast that you're listening to. So you probably saw that <laughs> yeah. we have the legendary Andy Levy, mm. co-host of the nah, SE nah. Cup Unfiltered. Senior thing. producer. Senior producer. Yeah, not co-host. Well, regular contributor. Senior, senior producer and panelist. Often on the screen. Yes. You're on every show. Great. And that's on the headline news network. Yes. Part of the CNN family. Yes. Fake news family. Yes, absolutely. Right? Proud member. Really proud member. Yep. A lot of fake news going on <laughs> yeah. there. Yep. Is that lady still on who's always shouting about crime? What was her name? <laughs> why, on, why are you asking me these I, questions? Because you work there. Do you ever see her in the hall? Shows us yelling about I don't kids know who being you're kidnapped. About. Who is that woman? <laughs> you're right. I don't, Nancy, I don't Grace. Actually, Nancy, Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace. By the way, Nancy it's Grace. amazing. There's something being in this chamber of like fetid air that like no one can think of anything. And like it's always two seconds. Punch in Anthony Fisher. Nancy Grace. Yeah, it's Nancy Grace. Is she still uh, on oxygen, the show? Oxygen's a hell of a drug. Is she on the, sh- is she still on the show? I, on the network, on the show, on the I'm honestly, I'm honestly not sure. I don't think so. okay. not on, not every, not nightly, on, not nightly. Okay, yeah. but you should have her on the show. She seems yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. saying, yeah. just your senior producer. You can uh, get sure. done. Sure, <laughs> I, I've been on the show a few times. I will say that I, it's been fun. I've enjoyed being there with you. I hear a number, a, a number of people. I was only going to say but because I was going to say a number of people who listen to this podcast are probably familiar with you because you were formerly associated with the former what the 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 insomniac's favorite cable television mm. news he, show he forgot the name to yeah, yeah. this is called red eyes yeah, no yeah. I'm, it's a build-up you always presume i'm forgetting things because <laughs> he's high it's, it's really called advanced. building it's up a, anticipation is that what it's called <laughs> yes i don't for, I, i'm like an elephant with the facts you're like an elephant with a things. brain disorder well i know things <laughs> but but red eye um, which uh, was formerly on Fox. And I, I mean, obviously you're at HLN now. Yes. And doing things there and making a show. You seem very happy. You look fit. You look Thank marvelous you. Thank as well. You. He does look pretty good. I have lost 30 pounds in the last year by choice. Is that true? Really? It is true, yeah. You going oh, on the Judge oh. Napolitano yeah. diet? Yeah. 
Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally not going to say anything. Wow, thirty pounds. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because I was a fat fuck. Were you a fat fuck? Did you become? Well, you it was the fat fuck. I was. The, the thing is, it was. It was. You stopped smoking. It was all in my gut and my face. Yeah. Because that's I'm um, a fairly like thin guy frame wise or whatever, yeah. and like all my weight would just be. I would look. I looked pregnant with you. Look like ET, on. basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I got sick of it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I cut out a whole bunch of garbage food, and and yeah. And, and did you gain weight when you stopped smoking too? Because I remember you stopped smoking. There you go. Look at that. Yeah. The jewel. He held up, yeah. held up the, the vaporizer. Yeah. It's the jewel. Both it's of different. them. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, it's, it's not a vaporizer. Mm. I mean, it's a jewel. Vaporizer. It's not as. I mean, those things are kind of stupid. So yeah. more the ones that look like sousaphones. And the, yeah, the big, no. the big yeah. ones, no. the steampunk ones. Same amount. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm drug free. Okay. <laughs> God, yeah. God, drug free and healthy. For the, this is super boring. Yeah, that's a drug. Yeah. I was going to mention. Yeah. I love all those old VH1 yeah. documentaries where they tell you how they they just don't do any drugs and they eat healthy. It's, that's yeah. always really exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, it's just so Wasn't Ozzy doing that in, in Decline of the Western Civilization Part Two? It's like oh, I'm no longer on drugs as he's pouring an entire yeah. bottle of orange juice onto the counter. Yeah. <laughs> that, by the way, if you haven't seen that movie, so it's one of the greatest movies of all we time. We interviewed. I was I was it's on, so on the same radio program as Penelope uh, Spears yeah, uh, uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, it Amazing. also includes uh, one of the great scenes. And I like saying this because you're like, oh, what does it matter? We talk about politics. But there's so many nerds that listen to this show that will be like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then tweet at me is uh, uh, Chris Holmes, the guitar player from Wasp, who is in a pool in his house in the Hollywood Hills. Pouring vodka on his face on and his in his face, mouth yeah. as his mother sits yeah. at the poolside giving an interview and he's like vomiting and it's just the most amazing <laughs> thing I've ever seen. So you should watch it just for it's that. It's aspirational for... Yeah, for for a lot of uh, people. I was going to say making mother joke but then like realize my mom listens to this all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mom, I don't want you to... To, to sit and watch your destruction. Drinking vodka on my well, face. Well, speaking of <clears throat> nerds who listen to this podcast, um, Andy, <laughs> you... <laughs> You uh, are a fan of many things pop culture, I and I have reason to believe that you are very excited about a movie premiere this week. Are you going to go see Black Panther? Do you already have your tickets? Yeah. Are they reserved seating? Yes. Is that your preferred theater? Yes. Um, I got. Uh, I get little alerts on my phone from from AMC theaters when the, when the tickets go on sale. Yeah. And I was literally leaving work. I had my jacket on. I was walking to the elevator, and I I. This was I, a month or whatever ago, and I heard a little buzz, and I looked on my nerdy Apple Watch, and it said, <laughs> tickets now available for Black Panther, and I just let the elevator go, because mm -hmm. I knew if I wanted to get good seats for opening night, I'd have to jump in right away, and I got in, and I managed to get uh, really good seats at the the giant IMAX in Lincoln Square here in, in Manhattan. It's like one, I think it's, I read once, it's one of the three biggest screens in America, and it's my theater of choice for big movies like that. Yeah. Uh, and I managed to get really good seats for the 7 p.m. show Thursday night. You say big movies yeah. like that. Like I mean... like like big, like, <laughs> like like movies you want to see on a huge screen. Yeah. Like, you know, like not uh, Call Me By Your Name or something like that, which... Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> You're saying you don't want to you, see that Which movie? I loved, which, but, it but you watched be, on your phone. It doesn't need to be, <laughs> under on, a giant, doesn't need to be yeah. on a giant IMAX. There's, right. not, yeah. there's not a lot of explosions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess there were a couple, actually, now that I think about it, but... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. but uh, no, 
like that, that like was I just saw, my immature laugh sure. all at its like I'm I not saw, sure that was I saw, carefully calibrated. I saw Dunkirk track. there. All the uh, superhero movies, yeah. the sci-fi yeah. movies, Blade Runner 2049 I saw there. It's it's the best movie theater in the, in New York to see a movie like that. But your outfit today tells me that you're particularly excited about this. And folks at home can't see you, but you are yeah. obviously wearing a Malcolm X yes. uh, baseball cap. Yes. Your yeah. cross colors, denim jacket. Yeah. A, a t-shirt very that actually 90s. says uh, too yeah. black, too strong. Yep. Uh-huh. And yep. a leather medallion in the shape of the African continent. <laughs> Why yeah. is this 1992? Uh-huh. <laughs> also, I, you probably, <laughs> I, you, I don't think you can see it. On my chair is my, my public enemy uh, baseball jacket. Uh, that's yeah. what that was. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to place that. Yeah, it's a nation of millions. So, so yeah. as a black man, uh-huh. <laughs> how, how thrilling is it for you to be able uh-huh. to see a film about you and your people and your heritage made for us, mm-hmm. by us, uh-huh. Fubu, a Fubu right. film, yeah. Yeah. Fubu film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how does that? How does that feel? Um, I, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I'm a little uncomfortable with this conversation right yeah. now. But uh, <laughs> do you remember when I came in and I said nobody has a real job here? Andy actually does, yeah. so yeah. don't don't ask yeah, him. To, I am, I am. I don't am, ask him to dole us all this shit right now. He can't do that. That's not fair. Uh, I will say that uh, as part of my being at least a half SJW, if not more, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think representation on the screen is important. In all seriousness, mm-hmm. and I, I think this is a big deal. How does Captain America make you For, feel? Very, very represent- patriotic. It represents you feel represented. I do. I, yeah, actually, well, I'm sorry. Is Captain America a, Jewish from the a, upper no, it's, side? It's libertarian. As I mean, a, the first oh, uh, Captain yeah. America was like yeah. super crazy. As a as a white man, do you identify with Captain America? I, as a, as a white man, I can identify with 90 percent of the heroes on the screen. They have superpowers. They could like sure. lift cars. Some of them are rich and powerful. This guy sure. is the literal. But they look like he's me. The I literal... look exactly like Captain America. <laughs> no, you look like <laughs> I do. Ah, I do. I look like Jeremy. They all have. I mean, you look. If they're packs. making a Philip Roth movie, <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, it looks like Andy. <laughs> it's the it's it's amazing. It's amazing to me that that is a thing, considering how outrageously bizarre and ridiculous the universes that these people inhabit are. But that's not. Compared the point. to compared Look, to, like, I saw us. I saw I dressed up as Superman. I identified with his ass. They used to throw sure. me across the room as a three year old. Every toddler <laughs> I ever seen. By the way, he says on every show like, now, dresses I'm not black. Up, right. So dresses, yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. dresses yeah. up as dresses yeah. up as Batman, and they love Spider Man. They were paying tons and tons of money but, to nobody, see all these but Marvel nobody, heroes. Nobody's saying they're not, but it's, no, no, there's but, still uh, no. I'm, I'm I'm. Can I talk my shit? No, no. I'm, no, obviously. Don't look at my headphones. It's racist. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't, I never, I, want, I never wanted to dress up like Blade. Right. And it's not that Blade wasn't a popular franchise. But, Blade, they made three fucking movies. Yeah, absolutely. It made the equivalent of like a hundred million plus dollars. Right. I, I didn't. I didn't want to dress up like right. sweet. Back. And you didn't right. have sweet to pay taxes on any of it, by the way. Badass song. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're an outlier. But and I'm not. You I'm are not an outlier. You are. I'm not. I'm telling you that I've seen brown chocolate no, kids I, I, dress I, up as Superman. Of course. No, but nobody's saying they're not. Yeah. But look, for example, like I, I went and saw a couple of years ago whenever the Ghostbusters remake came out. Yeah. And I walked out of the theater and I thought oh, that was a fucking bad movie. Like yeah. it, it just. I, I was disappointed in how I wanted. It, I want all movies to be good. So yeah. it's like. You know, if I'm going to spend money on it, I want it to be good. And I walked out of that thinking, no, that wasn't very good. And as I'm walking out, I said, you know, they have in movie theaters the big, uh, uh, like, the, like the display things with the characters on them, yeah. like the big cardboard, cardboard. Or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was a little girl standing in front of it, and her mom was taking her picture or whatever. And the little girl was so excited that there were women Ghostbusters. And I was like, yeah, that, 
that is important. Like I, I didn't like the movie and I wish the movie had been better, but there's, 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 there's no denying that representation is important. I think conditioning, I'll say, I'll say conditioning your Andy's, children. It's Andy's not, it's not no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I think there's conditioning your children to believe that they have to be represented in a particular form like by people who kind of sort of look like them in order to believe that they can attain something or achieve some goal. I'm not sure that that's something that we ought to do. I, the, I'm not sure that's what we do. I don't I, think I'm not, it's not I'm, conditioning. I I'm think not, it's, not, I I'm think not it's saying, natural. No, listen, maybe it's natural. I'm not sure it is. I've seen, I think most kids have to be taught to interpret race in the way that most of us do. They don't know that it's inappropriate when they want to dress up like Dr. King to like put on some foundation when they're putting on the suit to dress up like him. They don't get it. They don't know all of the weird rules associated with this stuff. They're generally innocent. They get that we look different. They might give it weird, funny labels. Um, but I don't know that they're, they think to themselves, I can't do what that person does because I don't look like them. Gender actually is, uh, is not something that has to be taught. My uh, daughter is nine. Uh, at some point, the uh, kind of Lord of the Rings uh, of the world kind of lose interest because there's no girl characters. Like she's interested in having a girl character. It helps her uh, get into the modern Star Wars because they have, a, uh, actually she liked the prequels too because uh, Natalie Portman, Madeline. Uh, uh, God help us all. Um, uh, thought those were good, but like she wants to be able to identify with girl characters. It mm -hmm. just it just helps her. And she, I, I didn't like. Boy, we're gonna go see a Wrinkle in Time because this is gonna have girl characters and and uh, and the worst makeup on. Uh, no, my my daughter's history. the exact same way, and it's like kind of you know the baggage shifts a little bit on it when you when you see that. Is that is it? I don't know. Maybe she's being conditioned into the stuff at the very hippie school that she goes to. Who knows? But I don't think so. And I I mostly see that she has said to me, and I remember these times, I legitimately, I mean, she's nattering on all the time, as you can imagine, somebody who's my child does. Uh, and the stuff that I remember is I remember a couple of times of her saying like, why are there no girls that are doing this stuff in like, like old kind of superhero movies or whatever it is. And she has specifically said, I want to see ones with girls. And I, do, I think you can kind of thread it halfway. And not say that it has to be transformational and will change the culture and change society and make X group believe they can do something. But there is something fairly simple right. about it saying like, no, it's more satisfactory in a way to see somebody that, you know, oh, these I, you know, at school, she hangs out with girls. Right. Yeah. There's like boys that in, in, intrude upon these groups and everything, but they hang out with girls. Right. And they want to see that on TV. It's like that's just their peer group, and they want their peer group to be the cool people on 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 TV or on yeah. films too. I see no problem with that. I think that there's some people that have, and I think it's to Camille's point, to agree with Camille a bit on this, is that with Black Panther, for instance, that have been overegging this in a way that is rather like embarrassing. Is that you know I you sent me this this post the other day of these women saying I've never cried so hard and I've never all's changed. I've never came been out so a changed proud to person be, to be black to be a woman. I mean it's like it's Take a fucking superhero movie at the same time. And like I do think to Andy's point, I do think it's important. And I don't like I like you have to think of it this way. If it is important in a slight way. Uh, Camille seems to be having are, some are you sort okay? of stroke. Are you okay, Camille? It's, what happened? No, it's a cramp in my leg. What? No one can see that. Go. <laughs> I know, but they can, we can oh, hear we you. We have you. to. We're seeing the. 
<laughs> disgusting wow. faces you're making. Let's uh, let's take some pictures of him. That's right. Right. No, don't do that. No. Gosh, act natural. I don't even want to cut this bit out. This chair no. is just so hard. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Chair's so hard. What are you like? It's a God, chair. Bastard. You literally. I mean, I, don't want to, I want to talk about. Yeah, I was gonna say you're like Red Fox. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, oh, just, oh. <laughs> you so ugly. I'll stamp your face in dough and make gorilla cookies. Um, so the Red Michael, Fox you want a job tomorrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a Red Fox joke. Camille, Camille, that was a Red really, Fox. Camille, that was a really good Red Fox. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was totally accurate. I attest to. Yeah, I was saying. Well, I put it this way. We can, if we're going to cut that out, no. maybe we should because of the, apparently I can't make, do a Red Fox impression. Yeah. Um, not because it was bad, by the way. It was, no, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, if you think of it this way, is what if there was no representation? Mm -hmm. What if, you know, the studio's owned by honkies and they're just doing a bunch of movies and they're just casting who they like and, and there's never a person on screen ever who's black, despite just, the fact that there's 12% of the population. It's just, but it's never is, been that way. No, I understand. Yeah. But is that okay? If if it were if it were happenstance, happenstance I mean, I, in the I, sense that anybody who's making a film is making films about their own experiences, their own life, what they feel is they're not looking at you know the market out there. And you, if you did that, you'd be like, that's kind of weird. If, right? it, if it were happenstance, I don't know that I'd be particularly concerned. But <laughs> that is, but that's the sort of, <laughs> but it's the sort of, it's the sort of hypothetical, mm -hmm. right? That is so that yeah. is so improbable in it, the but society. It's not, it's not about the probability no, no, of the but, it, but it matters. It's not about but that. it matters, and I'll and I'll tell you why it matters. Because I'm being at, I'm being asked to imagine a world where these people never ever see anyone who kind of looks like them in other circumstances in media and entertainment. You're missing and, my point. And seeing someone that looks like sure. you, it is certainly the case that many people place a value on that. Sure. I'm not, but I think, I'm not I, think you're, I think you're missing my I'm, point. I'm, I am pushing back on whether or not it is appropriate. My contention no, the, is the, that the question is not, I mean, the hypothetical, uh -huh. it's almost like saying, you know, if Martians showed up tomorrow, it's just a thought experiment. Uh -huh. And yeah, it's not going to happen, but, and it hasn't happened because yeah. there's money to be made, right? And, you know, black exploitation movies in the 70s, even in the 30s and 40s, you have movies that are specifically geared towards black, black audiences. Black Panther is a consequence of the black exploitation movies. Of course, yeah. And so, but the question is if the number is hypothetically is zero, why should it not be? Why not? I mean, if, if, if there's nobody on screen that is representing a percentage of the population, who is not about big ticket buying, not about people going to, you know, we're, you're missing out in a huge sort of market opportunity here. Just a basic thing is that if somebody doesn't see representation, does that matter? And the question then is, well, if, if, if it does, then representation has to matter in a small way. I'm, at the very I'm least. not, I am not saying that this is the, this is the thing you're saying. Does it, does it matter if, Camille like never sees anyone who happens to look like him sure. or or reflect his values. Yeah. I I virtually never see anyone in media that reflects my values. Does it does it leave me feeling impoverished? I'm not sure. My values are not particularly popular perhaps. They're just not there. And if you're a member of a very small minority and major films are made for mainstream audiences because they're really, really ex expensive, then again, I'm not I guess actually that's sure the that better that's point. But but if you're Rohingya <laughs> and you're like, sure. growing up in America yeah. and you don't see a Rohingya 
uh, Muslim on screen or, you know, maybe any Muslims on screen or something, is that, you know, does that have a deleterious effect? Well, on think about you, I, 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 Honestly, I don't know the answer to this question. I haven't thought about it too much. Think about Harold and Kumar when it came out 10 years ago. It was actually like, holy shit, this is a movie that's being held down by an Asian American and an Indian American. Yeah. And it was kind of thrilling. At the moment, because that just hadn't happened before. Yeah. And what is that? Is that a bad feeling to feel sort of happy and thrilled that a no. mainstream successful comedy was? No, not at all. And I, th I, I know, think, but I, I think I, the issue is you don't is when people go overboard and say that this is a watershed moment. No one has ever felt good about themselves into the superhero movie. I think is a little over the top. I don't even know what that moderate reaction looks like. I can't get to a place where I start to believe that the good outcome is everyone applauding because we've made this film and it's incredibly successful because it happens to be funny and there happened to there don't happen to be. We're deliberately engineering it so that these particular people are seen in it. The, the there's there's a lot of kind of pernicious follow on consequences to doing it in that way. I have to wonder at this point about all Oscar nominations. And if if anyone is watching, for example, and not wondering if Get Out actually deserves the attention it's getting. But it absolutely does. Because it's good. Ooh. No, Ooh. it doesn't. Get Out fire. It absolutely does. Get Out fire. Are you kidding me? I didn't find it very interesting. Oh, man. I, I love that I can't yeah, join this it, conversation. It, it, I haven't seen it. I enjoyed it. It's easily in my top five for the year. Yeah, I didn't like I, it. I, I mean, I've, I, it I've seen it twice. I thought it was just as good the second time. Pedestrian it's, horror film. nothing pedestrian about it. Pedestrian it's, it's horror film directed. moderately funny Composition a for a first-time director was unbelievable. I mean, there's stuff. I, I took one a, film class in college, nah. and <laughs> I mean, it, it, it certainly look. It certainly no, 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 doesn't I, seem like any sort of like. That's fine. Uh, and, and look, I, I, I don't. I, my feeling on movies and music, because I'm old now, is I've sort of gone the opposite way of the cantankerous old man. And my feeling now is, all right, if it's not, if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. Yeah, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna yeah, yeah. fight you on it. Whereas 20 years ago, I, you know would have fought you over Radiohead or something yeah, like yeah. that. And now it just whatever. But, but, I, yeah. but there's no, I mean, well, to me, Get Out absolutely deserves an Oscar, whatever value you place on Oscar yeah. nominations. Oscars aside, Get Out to me was one of the top five movies of the year. And also I think what Get Out showed and what Black Panther apparently will show, because you're talking about $170 million opening weekend. And, and this gets beyond representation, but this gets to the fact that movies that are driven by by predominantly black casts have crossover appeal. If they're good. If they're good. I mean, right, it's, exactly. It's, I mean, yeah. talk, we'd have to right. talk about the good black movies that like were being made that white folk weren't going to see. Uh, absolutely. Like, I don't know. Everything Tyler what Perry are has ever like, done. Bill Cosby's show had crossover appeal. Sure. It was incredibly popular. And this is, and this is the problem. Isn't it good if there's representation? That's one thing. There's not really anyone who is really positing that message because there wasn't a, a, a lack of representation, not in any sort of meaningful sense. I, I don't in Hollywood? In Hollywood? If you look at the highest compensated actors, there's no shortage of black actors who are there. If you look at the most nominated actors right, for Academy Awards, there's no shortage of black actors. In fact, some of them are the most decorated, even when they were doing the Oscars so white nonsense. Like if you actually looked at the decade, the entire decade, blacks were well represented in the nominations. There were like 20 percent of the nominations. This it's it's a myth that black people aren't represented in these various spaces and places. And the reason that you don't usually get massive films with all black casts and 
all black or predominantly black directors is because like 13 percent of the population statistically. Right. This sort of shit is just not going to happen unless you fucking engineer it and engineering it for the purpose of representation because of the oppressive regime that black people labor under. Not that that's what you want or what you're claiming, but that is the, the but, narrative. But you can't. I mean, you cannot. Kind of bizarre. You can't deny that throughout, you know, modern American history, if we're talking film or whatever. Yeah. That the the vast majority of of heroes, and I don't, I'm not, I don't mean superheroes. I mean, you know, male lead or lead performances, the hero of the movie, whatever that movie is. The vast majority of of of, of those have been white male. I'm I'm not racking my brain about um, sort of gender differences that I don't know. Um, I do know when it comes to like representation in media, there is a mythology about this thing that for, for most of my lifetime has never been an issue. In fact, for the entirety of my lifetime has not been an issue. To I you. Just don't. It, right. it hasn't been an the, issue. The one thing I, no, I, want, quantif- I, I completely agree I that it's not an issue. I would say quantify the problem. <laughs> like someone quantify the problem and show me the issue. The one thing I will <laughs> say, I think that people make one kind of category error here. And a lot of folks out there that are rather too excited about the Black Panther movie in a politicized way and not in a representation way. It's way beyond that. And I've seen a lot of that stuff. But I don't, I think that it's important to remember that movies that are specifically engineered, to use Camille's phrase, to certain groups, be they ethnic groups, religious groups, et cetera, are not a specific reaction to sort of social justice culture. They've been around as long as there have been films or books or novels. This is not something there's, I think there's an extra reaction that you get these days because everything is seen through the prism of this and identity. That's a different thing. And we can talk about the extreme examples if we want to. It's probably tedious. But I think that when you see you know, Japanese people that are living in California in 1920, I'm sure they're going to see a lot of Japanese theater. They're, I mean, it's, it's, they're, like, it's who you grew up around, who you, you know, want to see, quote unquote. It's a reflection of your culture. It's a, a reflection of class. And a lot of that stuff is race, class, culture overlaps in a very particular way. So it's not a new thing. It's new in the sense that it's being given a very political patina when it's released. And people are reacting to it in a way, and Camille and I were trading some of the reactions of this today, and I think you were on that chain too, which is a little over the top. But I mean, don't for a minute think that, I mean, I don't, like Cliff Huxtable is an interesting example because that was literally an attempt at like de-racializing television, which I don't think is anything wrong with it. I think there's other problems, and the big problem is that it starred Bill Cosby, who, you know, has a kind of a checkered checkered history. Right, checkered sweater. Yeah, checkered sweater, checkered history, checkered drinks. I will say again, do not take that out on Dr. (laughs) Huxley. No, I know. (laughs) Yes, he's a different 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 man. He's a man who saves. Yes. Uh, uh, Bill Cosby (laughs) is a man who actually drugs. So that, you need Dr. Huxtable. There were no allegations allegations of Dr. Huxtable using (laughs) the anesthesia inappropriately no, no. but yeah. but you know to, to this point is that is that you know look there's a special kind of you know uh fervor that you see that people are approaching in this time in this in this era uh the black panther movie which is frustrating especially for somebody like you know you andy who's you know three months ago before this i didn't even know this existed before there was a political mm-hmm. campaign around it was like i just want to see this movie because it's a big 
twenty million dollar, two hundred million. That was me. Movie. That was me when I saw the damn like lists of Marvel movies that was going to be coming out right. before any of this began. Because I actually read the comic and knew who the hell Black Panther was. He was an ancillary character in the Marvel universe, not someone who I was particularly interested in. But I was going to pay, and at some point, was wait, I just realized Tanahisi Coates is the one who wrote the the did one the of the comics. Black Panther comics, and yeah, that's yeah. why you hate this so much. I yeah, know, yeah, no. that's 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 not why. Got it. I do have to correct one thing. Cliff Huxtable on the Cosby Show actually did drug his family uh, in a in an episode <laughs> that is known as the uh, Cliff's Special Barbecue Sauce episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, this is real. Oh, yeah. this is very real. I'm I'm actually reading a recap on Mediaite. Was uh, it? Was it actually Spanish fly? No, I don't believe they used the word Spanish fly, even though Bill did use the, that word in a 1969 uh, comedy album, where mm-hmm. he specifically, and, and the bit yeah, was called didn't. Spanish fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, here, here's a, a quote. Haven't you ever noticed after people have oh, some of my barbecue God. sauce after a while, it gets all huggy-buggy? Yeah. <laughs> right, so was, I, I apologize for the impression, was, but uh, you can find this clip. Really and we apologize for the impression. I'm actually <laughs> usually <like> pretty. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't know the was, guy, I didn't know it was the guy from Bebe's Kids. <laughs> wildly inappropriate. Uh, what was that guy's name? Dr. Hugstable. Bebe's Kids was all Robin Harris. Robin Harris. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like the Andy Levy of this show. Like what you used to do yeah. uh, I didn't do eye. impressions though yeah. <laughs> you didn't do racist impressions no, no. <laughs> just let that to gamble kidding yeah. kidding we, we pushed that this, wasn't an impression we pushed this we pushed this conversation about uh, Black Panther and such much further than I expected Andy did you have any closing sentiment related to this no, I'm just very excited for the movie. I actually read that you brought up the comic book. I read as a kid, I read the Black Panther yeah. comic books. And uh, for some reason, I always it was a great I th- always thought it was a great character. Uh-huh. So I was like when they said they were going to introduce the character into the cinematic universe. I was like really excited about it, not for representational reasons, but just I was like, oh, I was I always really liked the character. So I'm excited to see the movie. I felt that way about Ghost Rider until I realized that it was going to be. A Nicolas Cage picture. Yeah. yeah. Blade beat the snot yeah. out of uh, out of Ghost Rider um, in terms of box office take. Um, uh, my my last, last, last attempt to Here win you all over to my side <laughs> is very, very brief. That's like there's, when Castro got up to the lecture in the end. He's like, I'm just going to make this quick. There's, there's something you said about like uh, you were you were talking about global about global culture. Yeah. Superman isn't just like an American phenomenon. It, like some kids like it. Like kids around the world, like are in love with Superman. That's because like they, they're in they love think with America. The concept is amazing. This is this is true. This is interesting. Um, but it's it similarly a, it wasn't a shitload of it's competition. By the way. It's similarly <laughs> Albanian true. Superman. Well, I, I, Nigerian cinema wasn't really lit in well, 1978. I think J- Japan has produced a lot of very memorable um, cartoon action hero superstar sure. things. Baby Godzilla. And they Pokemon. All, and they all get played Voltron. by They get played by all Scarlett Johansson in the movie. Yeah, because who wouldn't want to get played by Scarlett Johansson in a movie? Um, I would. Um, I don't even know what that means, but that's fine. But yeah. I thought it was make some, your just, make your final points so we can stop talking about movies. No one is a euphemism. It's of some in some of some sort. Um, I think Oogie it's buggy. I think it's interesting. Like the 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 notion of sort of the need for representation, the ability for things that don't necessarily reflect anything that you experience on a regular basis that isn't performed by people who talk like you, who look like you, or any of that other stuff 
still has the capacity to like transform people's entire perspective to give them a sense of possibility of 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 achieving and obtaining things that they don't have access to at all i i don't know dude like i think that and i've said this before in various contexts that the great achievement of humanity of our species is constantly expanding the boundaries of what we consider our tribe and my goal my my principal goal with this project um whose name is Leah Lynette Emerson Foster is to help her understand that she lives in a world where the universe of people who are like her like are human beings and they're people who share her values and her values aren't black and her values aren't aren't like Jamaican. They're not any of those like I'm narrow bands. And she doesn't need to find someone who fits those things, demonstrating their capacity to achieve. In fact, like that kind of thinking is actually it's beneath us in so many important ways. That is my narrow take. And now, now I've right. given myself I, the last I, word. I mean, the, 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 but I, now I'm actually going to give you the last word. Well, I just want to say not to bring things down, but you, you're definitely going to bring them the, down. The flip side of that is, and I, I don't even know if I want. Uh, screw it, I'm going to go there. Go the there. flip side of that is, there were a lot of Jews living in Germany in the 1930s and 40s who didn't consider themselves Jews, and they considered themselves Germans and part of the bigger whole. And then they learned pretty quickly that it was fine and all well and good for them to consider themselves that way. But there were other people who had guns who didn't think of them that way and a greater tribal identity so, would not have no no i'm not I'm, I'm not saying no that's, or prevented that, that from that, happening but that's not my point my point oh. is i i you know i support you in wanting to teach your daughter this but there's also a lesson that until everybody thinks that way mm. you you sometimes can't afford to just think oh we're all just one big humanity and, yeah, and yeah. our differences don't matter because even if they don't matter to you they sometimes matter to other people and it affects how those people treat you i get a thrill when there's a representation of a subculture that has not been represented in cinema before. Did I, you just call black people a subculture? I did not. I, pre, I Yes, I, you did. No. You actually literally said black people are a subculture. <laughs> they did, are I, subhuman. Can we play I the did, tape back? <laughs> I did not. Uh, and, and even though my first uh, example of this would be a black subculture. Like, <laughs> that's not funny. I'm sorry. It's absolutely it was, not funny. It was actually a little funny. Uh, Andy laughed too. It was funny. The uh, when when Spike Lee's movies first came out, he mm -hmm. was describing a world that had not been depicted on cinema, like black school colleges right. being funny and hip. Um, she's got to have it. School days, stuff like that. Mm. People who talked a little bit like the way the people where I grew up talked. And that was in itself just thrilling. Like I'm hearing a dialect that I don't hear before uh, Tarantino's earlier movies uh, based in like 90s uh, California Pulp Fiction and, uh, and Jackie Brown uh, talk like regional dialects where I'm from. And I loved it for that. So when there's subcultures that exist that haven't been portrayed before, regardless of the hue of that, yeah, yeah. but just like, hey, look, this regional people here. You know, I, I haven't seen the Atlanta television show. Yeah. Where people go rave about that I, or whatever. I, I, I like Atlanta. Um, I think it's a really, the, uh, really well-made show. Yeah. John from Cincinnati, the, the great lost David Milch uh, yeah. uh, joint, uh, talking about just like trash 
uh, Southern California surfer burnout culture. I love it. Uh, so I think that kind of representation can actually be thrilling uh, uh, in a way that's that's kind of totally different and separate from what you're objecting to. The end. I, I generally agree with that. I think subcultures are cool and interesting to see depicted on film. Um, I think there's something about that particular distinct subculture that you identified when you said like the um, a black school, the young black people on this uh, historically black university campus. There is almost there is most certainly a culture in those places. In fact, there are lots of cultures in a place like that, which is what makes a film like that interesting. You're not just going and they're there actually clashing with each it. other. They're clashing with each other and seeing all of that play out is interesting. And it's Again, it's the it's the diversity, the genuine diversity that is found in someone getting that shit right that I think is interesting. It's the sort of thing that actually makes a good film. Um, and it is at sharp, it contrasts sharply with the asinine notion that black people all together like see one black person and that's the representation of who they are. To the extent that's true, that's kind of weird. But now I'm giving myself the last word again. Let, uh, let's move on from let's, this conversation we've had for 45 minutes, and it's the same point okay, over let's and over go. and over again. You know what, Moynihan? No, I'm just, I'm tired of it. Take it easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm bored. For fuck's sake! Come on, I'm bored. Um, <laughs> Make so me less bored. We've got we've got. You a can few... cut that, by the way. It's fine. No, I'm going to leave it in no. because we're we're. Why? So everyone who listens going to agree with me and send me fucking booze? They might. <laughs> they might. Go ahead. But but you're being you're yeah. being unkind. Actually, no one will, no one will actually hear it. Because they will have turned it off. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think that's true either. Um, but where do we go? Because we've chewed up far more time than we yeah. ought to have. Um, Andy literally just did a like a double take. Right. He looked like Don Knotts. He really <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. White House. I didn't realize it was two thirty a.m. <laughs> yeah. so we've got some White House budget stuff that's Why been going on in recent days. I mean, that's <laughs> what it's called. And it was built by slaves. So that's why um, we've got uh, Richard Spencer, who was actually sued yeah. for uh, for for being a jerk in connection <laughs> with the Charlottesville attack um, by some folks. And he, uh, he can't find a lawyer. That's bullshit. I, I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe I, it for a second. There was, you cannot tell me that which, he, he which cannot, part don't you believe that he can't that he find, can't a, find lawyer. a lawyer. That's that's not true. Yeah, I, I think that's fake news. Uh, like, I mean, the the Nazis at Skokie right. found not only lawyers, but they found the ACLU and they found a lot of representation. Well, I remember when we talked about this, and, yeah. and I I just said I don't know if the word salad that I used to describe this the first time actually made sense. Richard Spencer, who helped plan the protests in support of the Confederate mon monuments mm -hmm. in Charlottesville, Virginia. There was obviously that tragic vehicular homicide that took place where someone who was there as a supporter of Spencer's, not invited by Spencer, but whatever, um, plows into the crowd of protesters deliberately, seemingly, and kills a woman. Um, Richard Spencer is now being sued by some group in connection with this attack. He is being blamed for having caused the attack. Um, I think it's fair to say that this is a frivolous lawsuit, not because Richard Spencer's ideas are redeemable, they are mm. reprehensible ideas, but because saying things and having a march does not mean that you are now responsible, culpable for the actions of some rogue individual who shows up 
um, who perhaps likes your ideas and then goes on to carry on a crime. Um, this is actually exactly the same sort of circumstance that the Ray McKesson, who did the podcast, um, described when we talked to him, or I talked to him, I guess, um, some months back. It was in connection with the Dallas shooting. Mm -hmm. um, and DeRay has on multiple occasions actually been sued by various anti-Black Lives Matter groups um, because they say that he is promoting hate and he's creating the conditions for these things to happen, that he organized these events. And in particular, with the Dallas shooting, there were, in fact, Black Lives Matter activities that were taking place on the ground when some person who support is supportive of Black Lives Matter causes decided to do something that is decidedly outside of the scope of what Black Lives Matter has ever prescribed, he starts killing cops. And there's um, a reason you describe this as a frivolous lawsuit, not just a stupid lawsuit. Yeah, a frivolous right. lawsuit means it's going to clog up the courts and it's going to be thrown out before it even gets to the judge's uh, uh, you know, chambers. But is it, it is expensive to defend it's yourself. It's expensive from to defend these, yourself against this stuff. Can be and, for you know, an and you have to do the requisite throat clearing. Um, as the ACLU has done and actually caused an enormous split recently in the organization yeah. um, of defending people's right to be um, hideous monsters and, and, and idiots. Although but they there's didn't a step back. They said that they would not defend hate groups who use yeah, there's, there's, firearms. There's a, yeah, there's a, I was going to say a, that's yeah. the reason why yeah. I wonder no, if no, there no, isn't no, perhaps no, some there's, truth there's No, there's none whatsoever. Okay. Because uh, the example that, I mean, the DeRay example is a good one. He should never be sued. He should never see the inside of a courtroom. He should never have a lawyer document reaches door because the guy is, you know, promoting his political views. He's not telling anyone to do anything to go out and be violent. The only way you can actually justify this stuff, and it's a very, very difficult uh, justification to make, too, and we've seen it in the past, and it's mostly against black militant groups. I mean, in, I think it was 1965 or 66, Stokely Carmichael was arrested, I believe, in Baltimore for a riot or some violence that happened after. But at the time... Uh, completely unjust to 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 Carmichael, later Kwame Ture, uh, who blamed the government of, for giving him cancer. He was the original Hugo Chavez on that. But he said something and they identified something that he said, which was still silly, stupid, and he was not culpable for it. It was mm -hmm. the people who, who perpetrated the violence. Right. But at least in that case... They tried to say, here is what he said. Here is the fire in a crowded theater moment. To say that somebody creates an atmosphere of hatred is, I mean, if you actually war game that and think about what a precarious situation that puts the, the notion of free speech in in this country. Imagine if you look at how crazy and hot the rhetoric is these days um, on Twitter and people being accused of, of being hate mongers on all sides at all times. I mean, imagine weaponizing the law that way if any, you know, dingbat does something uh, stupid or any violent monster does something, you know, reprehensible and murderous that you just go searching around for the loudest voice in that room and saying you're responsible is, you know, legally not only dubious, it's 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 insane. I mean, it's it's not this is not I don't should I say the Anglo-American legal <laughs> yeah. tradition no, we that can't is say, we can't say that. You can't, I mean it's I, it's I missed I missed that controversy I didn't uh, understand it, it at all it's not it was a fake it was that was a fake controversy too I, but you know I, I I'm worried about about this and I think it's of a piece with this kind of movement of criminalizing of tr trying to get America to come closer to European laws on things like hate speech 
It's it's people using the ideology of hate speech, which is not a legal category in the U.S. It is most certainly so in the U.K. It is most certainly so in France and in Germany. And let's get closer to that. In Richard Spencer's hate speech is what precipitated violence. You know, in Europe, you don't have to prove that it precipitates violence. You just have to make the speech that is targeting a particular group. You have to you would probably have to give me eight seconds to find Richard Spencer online targeting a particular group. I don't believe I even need to say that I think that that he's, you know, one of the worst actors on the scene. And I don't believe that he I think that we talk about him far too much. I think that he has mm-hmm. 58 yeah. followers. Good haircuts. Though. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. Really? That fat I'm, face? I'm that fat face fucking Nazi? Yeah. He's a good looking kid. Fat he's a good looking fa- Yeah. He's a, there's certain people you can fat shame. Nazis you can fat shame. Fuck you, Richard Spencer. There's a weird fat face and you're dumb. There's haircut. a tangential uh, flip side to that, uh, which is uh, especially in New York with a Schneiderman. Um, and yeah. and other people in blue state uh, kind of things who are using the legal system to basically just sue republicanism that they don't like. And sometimes they do it in areas that are explicitly on free speech. In this case, it's a group of attorneys general who've gotten uh, after Exxon Mobil about their SEC filings and whether they were disclosing to their own investors enough uh, uh, the uh, the risks of climate change like 15 years ago um, and then subpoenaing the uh, the. Uh, donations and interactions and emails that they've had with advocacy groups over the last 25 years. It's basically, we want to sue oil companies, right? That, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, de Blasio, we want to sue oil companies. Um, uh, Cuomo's the same way. But in that process, they're just looking for anything. They want to be able to get that headline. But in certain cases, particularly in that uh, particular uh, ExxonMobil case, they're suing them for their expression. And everyone's like, well, that's fine because they're bad people and we can sue bad people. Yeah, of course. Care. And it it also allows us to further a narrative, which I think is I think is a false narrative, that um, Richard Spencer serves a very particular purpose. The reason we talk about him so much and the reason people, very particular people talk about him so much is that it's it's quite handy right now to say that the United States is in the grip of a white nationalist panic and that white nationalists have more power than they've ever had because of Donald Trump. Um, I don't believe that that's true. I, I you know, I, I have no love for Donald Trump. And I think that the man doesn't have a coherent ideology. I mean, if you if you look at Donald Trump in the 90s when he was running for the Reform Party ticket, he, his line of attack against Pat Buchanan was that he was a Nazi and that he was a sympathizer with Nazism. I, I think this man is an opportunist. Does he bring some bad people to the fore? Of course he does. Yeah. But I don't think most of those people are Richard Spencer types. And when we elevate no, the them. The order guy that beats up his wife. Well, yeah, there's a lot of classy people in this administration. But when when we elevate Richard Spencer, we do it with a very particular purpose to get a very darker idea of the political present. And that I don't I think there's some darkness in it that we don't need to, you know, fluff up. I don't think we need to say, you know, these these Nazis are, you know, the the, the famous Heiling thing where that uh, idiot is in is in D.C. and saying, oh, by the way, I'm not talking about about um uh, you know, Nazism. I'm just saying hail Trump and hail the fatherland. It's That's... just, if that is resonant in any way, I apologize. It's like the, the, the disclaimer at the end of a movie. It's just, you know, it, it, it didn't mean, we didn't mean it to look like anyone, but when we elevate this stuff in a way, 90% of the people in that room seem to me to be journalists. And every time I've seen Richard Spencer, in one of these things are far more journalists than there are uh, actual Nazis. It doesn't mean you have to keep these and I don't keep an eye on these guys. I mean, look, one of them drove over this woman, Heather Hayer, I think her name was, 
uh, and murdered her. Uh, and 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 they're they're dangerous people. They're but I think that we do a great disservice by, by uh, you know look you know, erasing so much progress that we've actually made. I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, won the popular vote of this election. If it was not for the for the weirdness of American's electoral system, she would be president, et cetera. And or Bernie Sanders, if he came through, he's very razor thin that he didn't come through that primary. I think he would have beat Donald Trump. Would we have been in a socialist Sandinista moment right now? There's little, little inflection points that could have made all of that happen. And I think that drawing this big conclusion is why we talk about Spencer so much, because we want that conclusion to be true. If it fits our politics. Yeah, I was reading. Uh, I didn't really pay attention to anything. Nobody Michael does. <laughs> yeah. There's a 30 second button on the iTunes. You go right okay. over it. Yeah. You got to push it a bunch of times. A couple, a couple oh, times you get, but, get through yeah. like the, the sock ad. Yeah. <laughs> like <Camille's> gonna do. <laughs> but this group, uh, Integrity First for America, I think their name is, who, uh, who are, sounds they're, they're the ones that have brought the lawsuit against Spencer. No. And they had this sort of op-ed in The Hill uh, mm -hmm. Quality newspaper explaining, yeah. you know, why uh, why they saw fit to why Spencer is responsible for this, why they saw fit to charge this, and they write they write hiding behind First and Second Amendment protection in order to skirt legal consequences for committing violence is unjustifiable. Mm -hmm. This case is not about free speech. Racists are free to spout their hateful views, but violence is neither legal nor protected. Carrying a gun and yelling racist epithets does not transform planned violence into protected conduct. Now. The as you just said, and it was said that the woman who was killed was run over by a car. They're actually going after him for three deaths because there were two, I guess, uh, I don't know, like first responders or the helicopter crash. They crashed in a helicopter. Huh. The point is, none of those three deaths had anything to do with guns, hmm. but they seem to now they're bringing up carrying a gun is part of the problem here. If there were people there carrying guns illegally, then go after them for that. If they were carrying guns legally and they didn't shoot anybody, <laughs> yeah. then it, this, this, it's, yeah. it's a non sequitur. It's a climate and it's your point of, of, of trying to terrify people and, and using Richard Spencer to sort of further, you know, cynically to further your own ends. And that sounds to me like what they're doing here, dressed up as, yeah. you know, oh, we're not anti-speech. Well, yeah, you are anti-speech. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, of course, and this always uh, deserves repetition and it's a boring point to make, but it's one that is true is that, is that the, the entire idea of First Amendment protections is not for, you know, my boring speech or your boring speech. It's for people like Richard Spencer, yeah. uh -huh. which, uh, you know, doesn't mean, and some, I don't know why the brain allows people to conflate that with the fact that you agree or or appreciate the speech with the fact that, you know, there are, once you create these limits, these limits, no, no limits. Did they you see, going. did you see Guy Benson uh, getting uh, shut down? I, don't, I forget, was it Brown or Cornell? It all runs together, these goddamn East Coast uh, universities. But he was, uh, Guy Benson is like a, a nice guy who's uh, on uh, on uh, Fox a lot, Republican, wears little pins and suits. Uh, <laughs> He's no, very sorry. Republican looking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He looks, like, he looks yeah. like a Republican. Yeah, and, and he was yeah. It was Brown. Yeah, and yeah. he was Brown, okay. And couldn't be a nicer guy. Super nice guy. Said, yeah. uh, Co-wrote a book with Mary <laughs> Catherine Ham a couple years ago about free speech. Was going to talk at Brown, as uh, Voice of God says, um, about free speech and his book about free speech. And they bounced him or, re or uh, refused to have him there. And the, the reasoning was because uh, he represents an ideology and a political party that has been historically uh, against vulnerable communities. So we just can't have that. Basically – He's Republican. 
So we can't have, you know, un, under so-called free speech. I, I can we, give you the exact quote from the students, if you like. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, there is a wealth of writing on the in, inextricable connection between Benson's ideology, fiscal conservatism, and free market ideology, and real tangible state violence against marginalized communities. Yeah, no. Such thinking is fundamentally at odds with any intention to pursue real justice for structurally and historically marginalized people. Arguments like Benson's enable white supremacist and fascist ideas to fester and flourish by defending the speech of already empowered people and above any concern for justice or histories of violence. Can I kind of defend one thing on this? Oh. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I'm not going to defend the statement. <laughs> Don't get excited. What's up, Evergreen State? Don't get excited. Oh, that would have been, been great, please. though. That would have been great. If, like, I just want to tell you guys, I've flipped on a few things. Uh, it's just, I had a long weekend, did some DMT. Um, I don't know what happened. You know, I think it was at a rave. I was the only one there. No, I appreciate when they say things like this. I really do. I mean, I appreciate the fact mm -hmm. that they're completely straightforward about yeah. it. And they say these ideas are dangerous. And to hear these ideas is to enter into dangerous territory. Because predictably what you do, you saw this recently, this week, actually, or last week, of this doofus that runs this patriot prayer group by the way if you've seen this guy talk if you've seen this group if you're scared of these people i mean please <laughs> i mean this is not this is not high-powered intellect here but they were um i think it was the college republicans at washington university had sued because they were hit with a bill that was like a a pre-crime philip k dick bill that because apparently um the that milo yiannopoulos the man who is single-handedly making America homophobic and Greekophobic by by like <laughs> hiding behind, you know. I go, um, it's amazing. I fuck black guys. Like you're still like Spe the worst. Speaking of people who we talk about too much. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. he's kind of he's kind of gone the way of the dodo in a way. But he he was um, um, spoke there, and then there was violence, and somebody was shot um, at a Milo Yiannopoulos event at Washington University. Um, and it was a Yiannopoulos supporter who shot somebody else. Shot somebody. It's fucking crazy. But what they did after that is they shut down uh, future uh, right-wing speakers by charging them enormous amounts of money for security. And they say, look, you bring these awful people to campus and then, you know, the natives get restless and we have to keep an eye on them. And it's your fault for provoking them. So here's a bill. And the college Republicans were, 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 were handed a bill if they wanted to have uh, this guy from Patriot Prayer or whatever this idiotic group is. And the thing about it is they took it to court and the judge was like, no, they don't have to pay for it. No, this is crazy. They don't have to pay for it. And then you've seen this at other at other universities yeah. too, at, at Berkeley, Berkeley yeah. et cetera. And it's like I appreciate Brown for this this absolutely incoherent word salad and dribble about you know fascism and markets and the you know what are you talking? This is insane. <laughs> but I appreciate that. It's like I just don't want them to speak here because I think their ideology is dangerous. And this is a place of free inquiry that I don't believe should be that free perfect when they start handing out bills and saying well you, know, you gotta understand it's like safety and like we, you know it was the same thing in the cartoon stuff you know the muhammad cartoon stuff is right. that i can't publish this stuff because you're endangering people right i mean think about that because that initially lodges in the brain is completely logical is that i work in the sports section of the you know the omaha world or whatever and i don't want 
to have my legs blown off because some guy over here is trying to make a point about free that speech. Was that literally was literally the argument that was made at the LA Times that when I was constantly. arguing within the place that we had to run it. In the I like the and, and in that and in that sense, the version of that is yeah. it, well, it's 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 like it's delusional because it's no one's going to blow you up and it's and it's uh, self martyring. But sure, it's a you're broader. Saying, I'm a coward. I'm worried for my physical safety. Sure, I think the muzzers are going to come after us. Yeah, I think that it's fine to say that. I mean, they they, they kind of you know, wrap it in this kind of silliness that, that it's a little too far that I would much prefer if they were like the Brown students and rather than doing some, you know, knockoff Horkheimer, you know, Frankfurt school nonsense, just say, I'm scared. That's fine. I understand. I'll talk to you about it. And I understand you're, you're, you're perfectly right to be scared because, you know, as the cartoonist that Charlie Hebdo said, there's a lot to be scared of when you, when you quote unquote blaspheme. And the same thing is true in this case is like, just say, look, look, we don't want this guy here because we think his ideas are so poisonous. And in fact, they're giving somebody like Guy Benson a lot of credit. So convincing that the soft brains of these people going to the school might actually be on his side. Can you imagine being scared of Guy Benson? No, I mean, and I don't, I'm, that's not a slight to Guy Benson. No, no. It's just a, a, it's a nice guy. He's just the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, yeah. So when yeah, do we know. get the uh, the campus tour in which we're paid, but everyone knows that we can't show up because of our free market fascism, <laughs> right. minority suppression, especially Camille's, um, and then it's just all headlines, all money, and no actual work. I think that's unlikely to happen. Really? Yeah. Feels like a pretty good circuit. It, I mean, it's nice to nice to think. Did about you have? Uh, can I can I make the forced transition? Did you have Ross Douthat's column about banning I, pornography well, up I on did, your screen? I did have that because usually you have pornography <laughs> up on your screen. <laughs> well, this is why I was so concerned. Uh, you when know, I saw, angry, you were, the yeah, steam was coming out of your ear. New yeah. York Times or column <laughs> about banning about banning pornography. Did Did you want to set that up? Have you? Have no, you, I I I, I, I only read, read the book? headline, and it's Ross Douthat, who's a conservative. Catholic. I have no problem. He's, he's an interesting writer sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, uh, you know, the idea of banning pornography is like that is right wing utopianism. Yeah. That's well, the yeah. Marxism of yeah. the right. Well, it's it's interesting <clears throat> that you use the the word idea. Actually, not so interesting because that's one of your things. But he does <laughs> actually is a transition here um, that we cannot imagine such censorship is part of a large. Damn it. I'm eating candy. Do you, do you know we're on the air right now? Yeah. <laughs> so that, you, you went to Camille before yeah. he was prepared. Before he was done with his Werther's original. Moynihan's Christ. the diabetic. He should be I doing know. this kind I, of stuff. I, I, blood sugar's all right. planning right to cut all that. Good God. Um, but now I won't. Um, that we cannot imagine such censorship is part of our larger inability to imagine any escape from the online world's immersive power, even as we harbor growing doubts about its influence on our psyche. In this sense, porn also presents an opportunity to reconsider the tendency to just drift along with technological immersion, a chance where the moral stakes are sharpened to prove we don't have to accept enslavement to our screens. Feminists should take it. We should all take it. It's not only decency, but Eros itself that waits to be regained. Oh Regain God. our arrows, Ross. <laughs> the reason, that. the reason, you can do it for us. The reason, I know you can. Get Michael Brendan Doherty. We'll all do it together. Eros, The reason why, the reason why can, people can we can't cut that bit too. <laughs> yeah. The reason why people can't imagine 
this kind of censorship is because it is fucking absurd. <laughs> yeah. It is totally ridiculous. He even this suggests that like, it's technologically possible yeah, which, and that in the past we've actually had these kinds of laws so it's imaginable that in the future we could have them. This I is can imagine insane. living yeah. in, a the yeah. in a theocratic dictatorship. Those fucking things exist today. It's terrible. He, he got it's terrible. sort of the, the rare sort of combo here where his idea is simultaneously stupid and impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Technologically impossible. Yeah. Yeah. You can't yeah. actually stop no, this. Of course not. Every place in the world where the internet is regulated and porn is outlawed, you can get fucking porn on the internet. <laughs> now, I know this Everywhere. is, by the way, the Christian conservative version of John Lennon's Imagine. Imagine there's no pornography. It's easy if you try. No, it's not. It's actually really hard because I need something to do when I get home, number one. And I'm not going to watch fucking, you know, call me by his name or whatever the hell it's called. I, I might. I heard it's really good, actually. Um, but I thought this was quite funny today um, that, that there is a man, uh, James something Taunton. I imagine that... Um, that uh, Anthony Fisher will, will earn his paycheck by telling me who it is, who wrote a really hilariously bad book that I thought about writing about because I was like, this is actually so stupid. I'm not gonna write about the faith of Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> he was yeah. the guy that debated Hitch a couple of times and was like, no, he's actually religious and everything. He was actually done uh, today in the Me Too movement. Sometimes, you know, there's like one, I'm oh, like, wow. I don't even want to see the evidence. I'm like, you're guilty. <laughs> um, and it's like, I, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying this will happen to Ross Douthit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's in his history, but somebody over at the IT department at the Why New York Times. Why do you keep winking? My, 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 I'm not winking. I, I, you know I have a disability. Um, and um, I just want to say, just, he either watches the most boring or the most extreme porn. Extreme. <laughs> but it, but it's, extreme. it's definitely one of, extreme. it's one or the other. It's like extreme. Extreme. There's, there's, tentacle porn. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, yeah it's definitely. But yeah. I wanted to, uh, this is my favorite quote. And the best thing about, about Hitchens as a writer is that he was very funny and people forget that often. Um, they say Iraq and this stuff. And he was a very funny writer. And, the, and to be so good of a writer that in your memoir, which is a pretty thick book, that this is relegated to a footnote. I think is amazing. And this is a quote that I maybe would apply to um, the writing of this column. And it did apply today to the man who wrote a book about how Christopher Hitchens was actually not an atheist and y'all just weren't paying attention. This is the quote from Hitch 22. Whenever I hear some big mouth in Washington or the Christian heartland banging on about the evils of sodomy or whatever, great whatever there, by the way, I mentally enter his name in my notebook and I contentedly set my watch. Sooner rather than later, he'll be discovered down in his weary and well-worn old knees in some dreary motel or latrine with an expired visa card, having tried to pay well over the odds to be peed upon by some Apache transvestite. Sorry, I can't say that last word. Wow, he's like yeah. Nostradamus. That, that was that is, and that's true. The number of times that there's a wide stance, so there's there was someone recently who was the guy recently who um, had some anti. It was in New York, I think, who uh, you know had yeah. some bill yeah. about. About, about prostitution and the rest yes. of it. Yes. And then was yeah. done for taking like state funds to get prostitutes. Yeah. It's yeah. like never trust a New York politician. Hitch could set his watch. General, we can all set a watch. Like an yeah. Anti-porn yeah. one or anti-prostitution one. Night. It's only a you matter got the of socks time. On, baby. You know, the, the weary and well-worn knees with a <laughs> maxed out credit card. 
<laughs> trying to pay well over the odds to be peed upon by an Apache prostitute. Oh my God. It's pretty good. It's pretty that good. That is so phenomenal. Yeah, it's terrific. Um, I, I wanted to ask about this, uh, this other like big narrative from earlier in the week, because I'd asked earlier and you weren't here yet, Moynihan, but the Olympics, apparently I'm the only person in the room perhaps who has not watched any of this shit. I just, I don't care at all about the Winter Olympics. I watched about three you, seconds. Of I, you also. I, I love the Winter Olympics. Okay. Do you like skeleton? Well, here's the thing. I'm <laughs> I'm sort of the reverse of the norm in that I watch everything except figure skating. Really? And I think figure skating is, I would say, probably the most popular Olympic sports, the one people are always talking about. And Why it, do you it, hate figure skating? I, I It does nothing for me. I get no sort of joy out of watching it. I find Even it after all, I, Tanya? No, I, I like the movie. It was a good movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just I don't. Um, I, to me, and I know I'm I know I'm quote unquote wrong on this, but I don't <laughs> I don't see the grace and beauty of it. It all seems very mechanical, and I I see the clockwork in their minds of I oh now I have to do this, and now I have to move my hands gracefully this way, and now I and it all just falls apart for me because I I sort of see the I see the clockwork mechanisms which probably don't even exist but in my mind they do mm-hmm. so it ruins it for me um so I just I get nothing out of it but I love watching well my my love for curling is well known yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I also uh, the I, only sport, would, quote unquote, in which everyone looks less healthy than John Crook. <laughs> it's just like guys with mu- everyone looks like Lech Valenza. There's like fat guys with mustaches. It's amazing. I, I will say some of the some of the women are, are very attractive. Oh, I just watched the fat guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's your Ross Douthat. I mean, moment. that's not, you know. <laughs> Eros. Well, I was gonna, want, we're going to bring it back. I was actually going to ask about the uh, the controversy that ensued because of the, what is her name? This is- Nork s- Queen, her name is. Nork Kim Queen. Kim Yo-Jong. No, Kim Yo-Jong. Yeah, Kim Yo-Jong, who is Kim Jong-un's sister, who was there at the Olympics and- there were a number of headlines that were written um, that were effectively praising her in some way, shape, or form, or at least being somewhat generous to her, um, the, that she was outclassing uh, one Mike Pence, that she was putting on, that there was a North Korean charm offensive that, right. was, that was working effectively. Um, and I know, Fisher, you actually had a, a really good piece over in the New York Daily News uh, about this earlier this week. And clearly there's been like a lot of ink spilled uh, about this already. Um, folks correcting the record because perhaps some of those headlines were written out of ignorance. Um, I suspect there were also <coughs> far fewer, but some that were also just people being relativist and talking about how awful America is in its own respects. So how can you say anything about North Korea? That's also <laughs> North Korean. Of, what about is, yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. It's also, it's also not, I mean, it's not exclusively just, Oh, America is, you know, an imperialist state with, uh, an, an, you know, the, the greatest prison population per capita in the world. It's specifically Trump and Pence. Let's be real about it. Well, you, you've leaped ahead. Um, I, I suspect that part of the reason why, people are able to sustain the kind of cognitive dissonance that's necessary to say things that even sound like they might be kind of fond or complimentary of North Korea is because of whatever the fuck this thing is that is happening both to the mainstream media and to most people who loathe Donald Trump. Like there was the expectation, uh, I remember a Vox piece from December uh, about the, uh, the Overton window and how Trump is going to potentially create a world in which the extreme things don't seem quite so extreme. But in another way, like 
he just seems to be scrambling everyone's cognitive altimeter. Like to the extent you have the ability to to discern what is like a rational conclusion to reach, like you seem to lose it completely when considering anything involving Donald Trump. To the extent he is there on one side of it, you find a reason to be on the complete opposite extreme. Because that's is, the this, only thing. There's no, that's, that's nothing new about there's that. There's nothing new about that. This there's is, there's this a is, great. It's couple called of, having yeah. a Republican president. Yeah, I mean it's but true. In, it's in true. This, to this extreme. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh my God. There's, I'll give you a couple of very good books. Uh, look, to I'm read old enough this. to yeah. remember Ronald Reagan was going to be the end of civilization. Sure. I mean, I, goes to you know, yeah, I am. I am literally old enough to remember that. I mean, I was in college, I think, during most of the Reagan years, and well, he was in office for eight years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't counts. do so well. Did you? Furiously, yeah. I was also in college paper. during the Clinton years, so yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. probably not a good sign. Thirteen-year plan. But uh, well, I took three years off to go in the army. Um, but uh, humble brag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't you go to Korea? Actually, I, I did go to Korea. Yeah. So like you were on the um, you were on the TMZ. The DMZ. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> TMZ. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you tell um, us about that? But that sounds fun. Finish the point no, first. No, 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 but it, it was more, been too I discursive. Mean, you were going to make the same point, but you were probably going to have much more bizarre, you know, examples. <laughs> That no, that, I mean the, the the point I was going to make is that you know like there's a guy whose entire academic career is about this a guy named Paul Hollander, who's written a bunch of books of of people falling in love with with evil regimes. I mean the the interesting thing about this is is you, you don't see it as much anymore. I mean the Cold War was a lot starker, but you would you you have this thing where you know all the things that you pretend to lament the lack of in the United States, you join up with a with a, a, another country, another leader, another ideology that has those deficiencies in spades, and then you weaponize that against the country that you live in and that you, you can't stand. Um, and in this case, I mean, it's usually you could get away with it in a slightly you know, better way, a slightly more believable, not, not, not too much more believable. But North Korea is so uniquely awful that to see people on Twitter, the guy, I actually sent you this, I sent the whole group this tweet today, didn't I? Um, a guy who had a blue check mark, so I was like, this guy is apparently somebody that I should know. And he's written a number of books on atheism about, you know, how, how you know, um, we should be secular and atheist and the rest of it. And he tweeted this. And this is actually not an uncommon sentiment I've, I've seen from certain kind of weird areas. And, and it kind of infects the groundwater. And I've heard other people say it, too. Thank you. His tweet was this, was, tell me how many DPRK citizens are homeless right now. How many lack health care? How many in Jeez. prison per capita? Awful. Now compare this to U.S. <laughs> numbers. The point is that what Andy just made, how many are in prison? The entire country is a prison. Yeah. So that is 100%. Um, that's, you know, and by the way, this also presumes, and we talked about this in the auto warm beer thing, it also presumes that any information that you're getting out of the most hermetically sealed country on the planet is accurate. I mean, who is giving you prison numbers? some independent assessor that's walking around to all the prisons in America. You know, the show that I work on shoots in prisons all the time. They let us in. We don't do nice pieces about prisons usually, right? You, you, the numbers we know about this stuff, 
we only know from defectors, estimates, satellite photos, et cetera. We don't know them from the, the fetid, awful North Korean it's regime. Hard, it's hard to get homeless numbers, but the foodless numbers are pretty. The food, uh, well, yeah, the, yeah. there are there's a there's a Korean word for uh, uh, homelessness. It's a specific word about somebody who sells flowers or something. Because after the famine in the 90s, when two million people died, uh, those most of those people became homeless. And the bigger thing was they were foodless, which is actually a more important metric when people are starving to death by the millions. There right? really ought to be a different word for famines mm. that are actually induced by government policy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, like the Ukrainian famine, this famine, the Chinese famine, et cetera. How many, how many lack... Healthcare is one of my favorite metrics for all this. <laughs> so stuff. incredible. I, I mean, well, they all have I, health insurance. They all have. All they, of them. They, they don't. They don't have to deal with Jeez. Cigna as I just did <laughs> to get my Dexcom, the insane product that allows me to tell my blood sugar at any time, developed by amazing scientists in the West. They don't. They don't have to pay for that, but they also don't have it, and they never will have it. I mean, this they don't kind have to of pay for aspirin either. No, they I mean, also don't have. Aspirin. So and it, I was especially offended in this of this guy who's written all these books about a couple of books about atheism and seems to be in that kind of community. And, you know, you're you're defending a regime that is the most religious regime on the planet right now. It's at least up there. Right. The, you know, Kim Jong Un is not the leader of the country. He is not. He is only the servant of his dead father, who is the leader of the country. He is the deity. What have, do we know about uh, Kim Il-sung? He was born on a mountain and birds delivered him, etc. It sounds pretty religious to me. This doesn't sound like, you know, this is like an origin story. There's a holy trinity and all this stuff. This is a religious dictatorship and a religious theocracy. It's, you know, redundant. It's a theocracy. And the fact that this guy who's like a new atheist kind of author is saying, let's defend this theocratic country just because I don't understand Juche and I don't understand what these people, it's a different type of religion. It's fine. It's fine. Let's just defend these guys because Mike Pence is a real piece of shit. I but think, I, all that said, I think that uh, if she didn't have uh, pretty good cheekbones, yeah. we wouldn't be talking about yeah. it. It's just that she was a seven, you know, and people got pretty excited really? about the fashion sense. <laughs> no, I, I, you're old. I think there is a lot. Uh, there was absolutely a lot to that. I also think, I mean, I would separate the media headlines, which were- Her brother doesn't have any cheekbones. God awful. <laughs> yeah. But th that's separate from the nut jobs that, that yeah, you're talking yeah, about, yeah. Linhan. Um, but I, I think also it's sort of this, like like we saw, uh, we played this clip on Unfiltered, Lester Holt did mm. a thing where he, he broadcast from like a ski lodge in North Korea. Yeah. And he kept going on. He's, you know, we're seeing, and he's like, it's, we've been treated very well. You know, people have been very nice. Us. We're seeing a part of North Korea most Americans don't get to see. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're seeing a part of North Korea North Koreans don't get to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, say that. Yeah. But instead, you get, you know, I don't know. It also, by the way, that's, it's really in. frustrating to hear that. Because there's often, you know, when you get into North Korea and they want to give that thing, it's like you see the Daily Mail photographs that there's always some photo essay of like the sides of North Korea that no one gets to see. There's no side that no one gets to see. If you're seeing it, someone's allowing you to see right, it and course. making you yeah. see it. And, it's always and it gives this impression that these that Lester Holt was just wandering around, right. took a, an, an Uber to the ski lodge because somebody had that idea to destroy yeah. it. And they're they have a palette of things that you can do. That was one of, of them. Of course. Yeah. And they're like empty amusement parks. That's I mean, that's like, oh, well, and that's, I was going to bring up. 13 consumers. When a friend I, of ours, ours who went there went, went to the to the to the uh, uh, the zoo and the first thing in the in the exhibit was a dog, which I thought was great. It was a dog. There's, it's literally a dog. There's a uh, or at least there was it's incredible. When I when I was there in the in the army in the early 90s, 
they have they have a Potemkin village. Yeah. Which is, you know, for people who don't know what that means, it, it was a it, it's a fake village that is there so that people from far away think, oh, this, what a nice village in, in that country, you know, whatever. And you can you could see it from the DMZ, you know, with I think you needed binoculars. I, there, There is actually I've been there and there's uh, those coin op kind of ones and you can see yeah. into it and it and there are people tilling the fields right. and it's a fake. And it's job. completely it's fake. Amazing. I mean, this is the kind of regime you're yeah. talking about. And, and to be sitting there going, you know, they won the charm offensive is, is just it's, that's what they do. Like she's she she's the whatever <clears throat> whatever her title is it's something something of propaganda yeah like it's literally in her title yeah and Agi- you're falling, agitation and propaganda and you're fa- and you're in the news media in the western news media and you're falling for this and the only and people that they're quoting are like fellow uh, western journalists as the people who are are well, like are been uh, charmed and that's the other thing because <laughs> you know I, I started thinking okay well look maybe because to me her being there was only it was yes it was partially for world consumption, but in my mind, it was mostly for South Korean consumption. Yeah. And, and I started thinking, well, look, maybe South Koreans, because w- when I was there, there were a number, you know, I, I always tell the story. I, I was there in 91, 92 and, you know, the old people who remember the, remembered the Korean war loved us and they would salute our Humvees as we drove by the college kids in Seoul were burning the American flag and they wanted all they talked about. They wanted reunification. And, you know, so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's why she's there. It's, it's to sort of soften the will of the South Korean people or to, to, or to make that will for a reunification stronger. And, and look, they've also been living, you know, North Korea for us is the other side of the world. For them, it's a state, it's obviously bordering them with a huge army and a madman at, at the helm. And it's not unreasonable for people in the South to be like, we've been living with the shit since, you know, for 70 years now. It would be nice if this were over. So I thought, all right, well, maybe maybe they are winning the charm offensive, quote unquote, if if it's working on the South Korean people. But from everything I have seen, the South Korean people aren't the ones falling for this. It's 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 Western media. But but it's the question you have to ask is if they are winning the charm offensive, who is who is broadcasting the charm, right? I mean, they're not, people are not meeting her and being wild. Like it's like, you know, the Megan, the new princess or something like, oh, we did a little handshake and she was very, very sweet. It's not that at all. It's like she's sitting in a box at a sporting event. So what are we proud of here? That she's not decapitating somebody <laughs> in the box? <laughs> she's not doing anything. And also when they said like she spoke warmly of reunification, it, 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 it shows such a lack of knowledge of how North Koreans speak about this stuff. When they talk about reunification, it's reunification yeah, under, under the, the Kim yeah, dynasty right. and the Kim dictatorship. It's not saying like, we'll get together and we'll, you know, we'll have an election. Right. I mean, that's not what they're thinking. Co-president. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be just like the hockey team. Right, it's yeah. going to be like, oh, half yeah. this, half that. Right. And then when they get annoyed, you're going to be tilling a field with someone whipping you in the back. No, I mean, it is, it is amazing to see. I, I do want to say one uh, brief defense of a Reuters journalist. Uh, Name's James Pearson, who's a very good journalist and uh, speaks Korean uh, fluently, has written a book about North Korea, has been to North Korea many times, and he was included in a lot of those uh, attacks, and it was something about the gold medal for blah, blah, blah. That was the headline. headline. Yeah. It wasn't his fault, and that 
that headline came from a quote from a former South Korean government minister and how the government minister was reading it. Whether that was okay. the right read or not, I don't know. Mm. I don't speak Korean and I wasn't there. But I think that in the the kind of zeal to, to wrap this all up as one unified, everyone's falling for it. You know, I don't I think there were a few people that were were unfortunately included in that who were really, really good journalists. But you see the the, the access journalism of, you know, Lester Holt, who's like, we're here and, you know, they have a minder with them at all times. They don't go anywhere that anyone says they can't go. They don't get to leave the hotel. They mm -hmm. don't leave and walk on their own. They go to a shop in which is stocked only for them. Right. I mean, this is not I mean, everybody who goes to North Korea says the same thing. The The stillness of the city is like, you know, heart-stoppingly creepy because you look out your hotel window in the middle of the night and there's nothing happening, nothing, nothing on the streets. There's no commerce, no, you know, it's just, this just doesn't exist. There have been in the past sort of five, six, seven years an opening in a few ways, much like it's happened in Cuba, of a, a country that has been hit very hard by sanctions and has a very, you know, rotten economic system allowing people to trade a little more in the black market, but that's not, that's not an economy, right? right? That's a supplementary thing to make sure that people don't starve. I mean, I don't think they are too concerned with them revolting because you can't really do that. There's really no um, yeah. avenue for that, but it's, it's been so successfully sealed off that, you know, North Koreans, I mean, the, the internet's have I mean, they do watch, and this is kind of interesting is that the the we did a piece of advice actually about the cheerleading squad which is like oh isn't this so cute in 2015 that not performed cute. not cute. no who performed in i can't remember where maybe japan or something and 22 of them i think upon returning to pyongyang were arrested and put in prison for um having too good of a feeling about the country that they visited wow. so i mean those are that's what awaits people when they go back and i think it's important in all of these things like if you were talking about a racist state if you're talking about South Africa in 1985 or something, and you had a long piece in the New York Times and a long piece in the AP or something, and you failed to mention the apartheid policies of the government, I think people would be rightly a little annoyed by uh -huh. that. You yeah. know, you should mention this stuff. I mean, I, I you know, when I say, you know, um, uh, Chuck Schumer, we still write D slash NY. We just presume people don't know. They don't know he's a Democrat from New York. Let's Let's give them the most basic information. In this case, why don't we give them the most basic information that North Korea is one gigantic slave state? And the joke about North Korea has been someone there read 1984 and they thought it was an instruction manual. Yeah. It's essentially what it is. Well, and the other thing is, like Lester Holt, as you pointed out, he had minders and all. In other words, he was treated, if, if he were treated one one thousandth of that way in America, he would be screaming bloody murder. Sure. And, yes, and, right, right. and rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. But then you go there and suddenly you're giving these, you know, oh, this is, you know, this is an area Americans don't get to see this. You know, we've been treated very well. And it's like, how 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 can you just by crossing a border lose all your sense? Yeah. How there's does a, that work? There's a corruption, particularly of uh, networks, including not headline news, obviously, but CNN. I've uh, I've witnessed this in Cuba. Uh, and stuff where they they do what I've had a, a CNN producer describe to me as uh, uh, sanctions pieces. Once a month, you have to do your regular sanctions piece, talk about oh, how terrible U.S. sanctions are on the local mm -hmm. economy. And it, it's understood that this buys you and cements your ability to get into that country and take pictures. Right. Because back then, at least, it's different now, thankfully, in Cuba. But certainly, it's not different in North Korea. To get in there with a crew and a camera. Takes years. 
takes right. years. And NBC is doing an Olympics right now. They've got to have that shot. They went to great lengths to get that shot. And so part of the price of doing that business, and I forget the uh, journalists who do this about three or four months back, had, had like a really festive Instagram account, um, uh, a major also, I think, network uh, journalist, or maybe it was even uh, New York Times, Nick Kristoff, it was. Mm-hmm. Um and it was all like, hey, look at this amusement park. And it's another side of North Korea, this whole kind of thing. See, and, he, the problem. and then he comes home and he says, hey, look, no, I was, you know, I was in North Korea no, and nope. I didn't want to. That, that, that uh, doesn't nope. cut it. No, nope. you, you don't. You, see, here's the thing. You can you can go to the amusement park. You can go to everywhere that they're going to shepherd you because that's your only option. And there is value in going and there's value in writing about it when you get mm-hmm. out. And right. There's value in taking pictures of empty streets and the rest of it and getting a feeling not for how the people live. Don't pretend that you understand that. Get a, a feeling for how the government operates. Right. They wake you up at random times. Right. Four in the morning, they'll come and knock on your door. It's time to go. Where are we going? They don't know yet. You get on the bus. They drive you somewhere. This is from experience of many people that I know that have been this. Everybody tells the same story. That's an interesting story. You do not need to go the extra mile and say, oh, the people are great. They're all support Kim, Kim Jong Un. They all supported Kim Il Sung. They, you know, you don't have to go the extra mile and say, oh, we're seeing something that uh, most people don't get to see. Well, it's de facto true because most people don't get to to go to North Korea, right? right? It's a very long, laborious process, which involves a lot of cajoling the government, promising them, et cetera. But you don't have to produce propaganda pieces. That's what you don't have to do. You can just go there and just film it like uh, the a man with a movie camera, you know, the the Soviet movie from the... Just here's the, the, the mechanisms of the city and here's the flow of the city, whatever. That's fine. People get a lot from that when they see robotic women, you know, directing, you know, sparse traffic. That tells a lot. Right. You don't need to do a piece to camera in which you say, God, you know, it's, well, it's not bad here. And, and that's the thing. I, I Obviously, I, I completely understand why NBC wanted to do this and, and you know, but it seems to me if, if you're piggybacking this because of of the Olympics, you, you still you don't send one of your one of your top anchors to go over there and let's be honest, basically prostitute himself and and, and say all these things. Send a sports guy. <laughs> no, I, I, and I'm serious no, because, right. because even if Lester Holt comes back and says, "Well, of course I had to say that," the damage it, you've you've already done it. Yeah. And 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 Lester Holt himself, as a journalist, you should you should no, I am not going to agree to those conditions. Sure. If, if 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 I'm going to go there. I'm going to report on what I see, you know, and, and he's I'm, usually pretty good too. So he is, no, he is. And that's what I don't understand. And I, and I understand that I'm sure there was huge pressure, pressure from the NBC bosses. They have a lot of money tied up in the Olympics or whatever, but you can't throw out what, whatever journalistic, uh, credibility you have. And that's why I, I'm not even joking. I say, send a sports person, like send someone who is not a quote unquote respected journalist and, and let them Bill do Schultz. and let them do some fluff piece, <laughs> you know, about the send a skier. Yeah. Send a former skier to do a fluff piece. And by the way, so to say later launches. that, you know, uh, you know, I had to do that cause I was yeah, there that's... is like po- posting a correction on a web piece two years later. Right. Exactly. Hoping that people that read it in, in 2015 will go back to read it and say, Oh, I, oh wow. They corrected right. that. You know, yeah. it's, crazy yeah anyway but it's also it's like twitter where you post a correction and the original tweet had ten thousand retweets and the correction gets 50 yeah retweets yeah 50 is <laughs> a lot i don't know uh we should uh, probably should we yeah we, we should we should punch out of here um there's a bunch of stuff we didn't get around to um the the 
Senate hearing today on all of the many great threats facing America, the top story that I keep seeing is that uh, the Russians are plotting to do things to the 2018 election. Oh, yeah. we're, we're predicting what they're going to do now. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did take a look at the uh, the actual world threat assessment from the U.S. intelligence community um, document, and I just took a look. There are 30 mentions of Syria, 61 mentions of Russia, almost. Uh, there's a, a Number of mentions of election as well. I don't know that that is actually the dominant threat facing the country that the Russians might again spend about 100K on Facebook, both before, during and after the election on a Facebook group that calls people to get together in Union Square in New York City to rally against Trump. Well, and also meet meet <laughs> like like you know Alex Karras or George yeah. Papadopoulos or whoever in at a bar in London uh, to say like know. hey why don't we do this uh, you know or interface with WikiLeaks there was know, credible or, reporting from two or three know, weeks back they, they did about, some other bad shit they they hacked yeah. into voter rolls didn't do anything you as can't. far as we know that's, that's exactly, they can do that's exactly it uh, yeah that's that's but it, it's I, I only mention it because I, America's I wanted bad to, internet in, infrastructure and bad voting infrastructure actually yeah. benefits. Most yeah, of yeah. 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 They it's all use the, different machines. But yeah. it's the it's the proportionality that you you alluded to earlier um, on a related point that when we when we talk about when we're covering these stories, um, be it something about um, Charlottesville uh, and Richard Spencer or or any of these other things, like when you omit the context, it all sounds terrifying. That there were a billion tweets from Russian bots. Oh my God. That is terrifying, except no. No, Seriously, it's not look at the re reporting that from Politico were... in particular about the release the memo thing. Uh -huh. The way that they they write it out, yeah, you would have the the, the the a normal interpretation would be release the memo was invented by Russians, yes, and executed by I mean, Republicans. Has, right? has anyone it's not like actually looked sense. at these these friggin' um, websites that are tracking what or what the bots are tweeting about on any given day today? The things that the top hashtag that the bots were pushing is fucking Syria. That's what the bots are pushing. The top, the other top hashtag, um, trending hashtag is uh, <laughs> Tuesday like, thoughts gotta get the and bots. Obama <laughs> portraits. Are you fucking kidding me? Like this, there is no complex psyop going on beyond create hysteria and panic and sit back and watch yeah. media lose. I think that maybe like this is the psyop, right? That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Worked. Yeah, it's working. Yeah, it's working. And, and, yeah. and also, and also this the, this thing about it is like you know to, to your point is like. How many people are on Twitter? What percentage of Americans are on Twitter? Very small percentage. Very small percentage. Super it's small like, percentage. But most, you know who is on Twitter? <laughs> Everybody who's writing stories about this <laughs> right. stuff, right? Ross. I mean, it's like, Stout hat. Yeah. What's <laughs> talking about is E-Ross. E-Ross? Well, he's not, does he's he have not a, on Does Twitter. he have a cryptocurrency now? He's on the dark web. Oh, that's inappropriate. Yeah, you got to cut sorry. that out. I think yeah. that might be liable. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe that. that might actually be I believe that actionable. might actually be. Uh, yeah. let, let us yeah, not okay. forget that the one story that we're also not going to talk about is uh, Barry Weiss getting dragged for making an awkward Hamilton joke. We're not going to talk about that. No, I don't think we should. I think that uh, also because my big complaint is that she made a Hamilton joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you stole, my, you stole like, my line. Yeah, no, it's like the Seinfeld thing. It offended you right, as a Jewish exactly. person. No, it offended me as a comedian. Um, yeah, um, Net Netanyahu possible graft charges, uh, lots of other stuff. We'll talk about it another time. Yeah, we should uh, do it another time. Andy, dude, Camille, is so good to see you. You too, man. And you really do. I mean, you look you look great. Thanks, Just great. marvelous. Thanks. I'm going to take you home with me.
Wow. Let's get out of here. You need to deal with your Um, own problems. I didn't didn't get to open it on the air. I wanted to do it. I'm doing it now. Matt's Matt's mom made my daughter a gift. Um, You'll have to tune in next week to find out if I liked it. Holy shit! (laughs) Everybody down! (laughs) Oh, look at that. She didn't even... Look, she didn't make her brown. Oh, that's, that's how much she loves you. Now, yeah. how can my she's daughter gonna, possibly love know, this doll? She's not going to know it's, her, it's, I, her, it's I'm hers. not going to be able to give it. <laughs> I'm not going to be able exactly. to give this no, doll to my daughter no. because it's insufficiently yeah. melanin huh. representative. Yeah. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Hawk.